0: All right. Grab your Bibles. Here we go. We're going to try and make some headway tonight. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Hey, we're a little spread out tonight, so if you raise your hand, raise it high so that they uh, can notice it and they can uh, run the mics back to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 18. Is that right? We feel good about 18? All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 18, here's what it says. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. Okay, so how weird is that? Uh, if anybody thinks that he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool in order that he can be wise what's he saying come on what's he saying to humble yourself huh to humble yourself um that is part of it okay that's part of the process that's going to get us there is to be humble basically if the world is right then i want to be wrong okay so we're getting closer if the world is right i want to be wrong Okay. But actually, you can flip that on the ear, and what the passage is really saying is, since the world is wrong, agreeing with them would be... No, he's actually saying foolish. It'd be foolish. Okay, go ahead. Uh, to live for things of eternal, meaning worldly stuff always passes by no matter what. There's always going to be a new model of something. But if you live for things eternal, which the Bible teaches you, maybe that... We can, and other people think that that's foolish. Okay, all right. So let's, so let's do this for just a second. Give me some basic worldview philosophies. In other words, mantras that people who do not know Jesus live by. What are some of those? Bigger is better. Bigger is better. Okay, we, we are live back there? Person with the toys wins. Person that dies with most toys wins. Okay, most toys wins. Okay. More money. money. Live for today because tomorrow may never come. Okay, live for today. If it feels good, do it. (laughs) Every man for himself. Anything else? Those are pretty good ones. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Flip Wilson is still alive. How many many people even know what I mean when I said that? Oh, look at that. There are some old people in the room. All right. Do whatever it takes to get on top. Kind of the end justifies the means, right? Okay. All right. So that's plenty. All right. So here's the deal. Go ahead. We'll do it one more. Uh, There's no need for God because I'm a good person. Okay. No need for God. God. Okay, so let's just talk for a second. Alright, so you and I just have written on the board, and there would be more, but you and I have written on the board things that would be worldly wisdom. You know, guys, this this is one of the reasons that Scripture says, look, as you and I have relationships, and, and you, get, you and I are supposed to have relationships with people who don't know our Jesus. But you and I have got to be careful in those relationships as to who is influencing who. Because here's the answer at the end of the day. A person who does not know our Savior, and then beyond that, let's go the next mile. A person who's not fully committed to obedience to Scripture and to the Savior is going to give you and me what type of counsel and wisdom when we ask? Worldly wisdom. Their wisdom is going to come out of a list that looks an awful lot like this. And, and, and they're not trying to be bad. They're not trying to be... They're, they're telling you this is worldly wisdom. I mean, these are the mantras through which you view life. These are the principles which get you where you need to go. But here's Scripture saying, Well, well, well guys, 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 if anybody thinks he's really, really smart in worldly wisdom... Let them become a fool. Because, 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 you don't want to live your life by worldly wisdom. Okay? Matter of fact, let's just do a few of these, because I would argue that Scripture says something very, very different than most of the ones we just wrote up on the board. So look at some of the ones and give me, give me maybe what Scripture would say. Uh, anyone, um, anyone got a passage or a thought about bigger is better? I, don't, I didn't have one, but did you get one for bigger is better? Um, It made me think of the first becomes last and the last becomes first. Okay, so maybe the the first shall be last. I was just thinking faith of a mustard seed. Okay, faith is a mustard seed, so sometimes little things are big things. Okay, all right, what about for most toys? It is better to give than to receive. Huh? It is better to give than to receive. Better to give than receive. Guys, stop. Better to give than receive. Let's just be honest. How many people who don't know God and don't understand Scripture would actually believe that to the point of lifestyle? In in, in other words, you get that there are people who would do it just because, well, you know, a nice person would give something. But how many people would do it to the point of lifestyle? And there are a few, don't get me wrong, there are a few, but that's not typical worldly wisdom, right? Okay, Um More money, more power. I was thinking of the two pennies the the widow gave. Ah, okay. The widow, when she actually gave the widow, what we call the widow's might, actually gave more than those who gave tons. Okay. I would say with the more money, more power, it Uh makes me think of Solomon. And when he goes through figuring out what this world is about, and he says the more money you have doesn't necessarily mean the more power you have. Yeah. Matter of fact, Solomon, at the end of his journey, which is really the book of Ecclesiastes, gets done and says, look, I have, I've, I've owned tons of land. I've done all sorts of humanitarian things. I've done every sin and debauchery that you can list. And I've had like 3,000 wives, which is probably the dumbest thing I did. And he goes through this whole list, and he gets to the end, and he says, in the end of the day, you'll figure out God is what you need. You know, that, that becomes his conclusion. What, what, about, what about Jesus? What would Jesus say about more money, more power? How much money did Jesus have? The last time I remember when he needed a ride, he had to borrow a donkey. When he needed to pay his taxes, he had to say to Peter, Hey, go catch a fish because you're going to find a coin in his mouth. So our example had a hard time paying taxes. Matter of fact, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but instead to be a servant. And and guys, you you just realize that type of thinking when you start talking that way to someone who does not know God and does not have a reference to scripture, this sounds idiotic. This sounds crazy to them. Uh, Live for today. What would scripture say? Live for. Huh? I was going to say for the last one, store up your treasures in heaven. Oh, store up your treasures in heaven. Okay. Okay. What about live for today? What would Scripture say? Do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry do not be anxious about today, for today will care about itself and tomorrow will care about itself. Okay, so that's a pretty good one, but I I think it probably is some other stuff we throw out. Live for day, what would scripture say live for? Live for eternity. Yeah, live live for those things that are eternal. Matter <laughs> of fact, Scripture would say don't don't even don't even waste any more effort, any more thought, any more resource on today than you absolutely have to. And a wise, 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 wise person would leverage every bit of their time, every bit of their effort, every bit of their resource to those things which are eternal if they were really wise. Okay, so we're not going to go through the list, but here's here's what I want to get. Here's what Scripture's saying. Okay, so let's go back with, with that, what we just kind of did together. Let's go back to the passage and, and catch the power of what's going on here. He says, okay. So back in verse 18, do not, you ready, De deceive yourselves. Don't lie to yourselves. Don't get this one wrong. If anyone thinks that he is wise by the standards of this age, in other words, man, this is this here is how I am living my life. Is this stuff. That's that's how I, I'm wise. By, and, and man, I am piling up the piles and I've got the power and I've got the notoriety and I've got... I am am scoring on the world scorecard. If anybody believes that he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. And all of a sudden, you realize what he's saying in this moment. He's saying, look, if you live for these values, if this is where you put your life, you'll get lots of acclaim. Lots of your friends will go, dude, I can't believe the car you're driving. You bought that house? You mean you got that promotion? Wow. So, as you live for this, you'll live a very foolish lifestyle. But if you choose instead to live for the things of the kingdom, to live for godly wisdom, you'll look foolish. You'll have friends who don't know God. You may even have Christian friends who haven't bought out and sold in that'll go, You are crazy. And he says, but in that moment, you'll be wise. You'll be the wise one. Okay? Can you strike a happy medium, though? Can you have a happy medium? So say happy medium a different way to me. What do you mean when you say happy medium? From side A and side B. Not be totally foolish, but, you know. So only be halfway foolish? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can be halfway foolish. But here's here's what I'm going to say to you. You'll, you'll regret it. You're, I mean, let's just be honest, guys. When we look back at our life and we look at all of our moments, what do we regret? We regret the foolish moments, right? We go, I was 18. What was I thinking? Why, why did I do that? Why did I you know. And yeah, I mean, every one of us is going to have a choice. And, you know, the truth is, let's just be honest, guys. Most people do exactly what the question was. It was a great question. Most of us say, hey, look, I want to still live part of my life with worldly wisdom and I want to live part of my life with spiritual wisdom. Okay, here's Here's the, what's the dilemma? You guys help, help me answer the question. What's the dilemma when I live part of my life with worldly wisdom, I live part of my life with earth, with spiritual wisdom. Yep. Maybe I'm off, but I'm thinking he's not saying you can't have nice things. Okay. The worldly things, nice car. Right. Things like that. But don't live for that. It's okay. You have nice things. Yeah. That's not your main goal. No, you're right. Is that right. You're, yeah, you're okay. right. And so y- here's what you need to understand poorness or doing without is not a virtue. It's not a virtue. Being poor is not a virtue. Matter of fact, I'm just going to tell you that I think that there are two types of poor. There are poor because of circumstances that they couldn't control. And there are poor because people are foolish and don't live well with what they've been given opportunity with. Being poor is not a virtue. It's not a virtue. Okay? And... Scripture doesn't teach that. But what Scripture does say is this, that every single resource, every single opportunity that I have in my life, I have to make a decision. Am I going to live that resource for spiritual wisdom or will I live that resource for worldly wisdom? You know, what am I going to do? And so here's the deal, guys. I'm, you know, So maybe, maybe I can give this example and maybe I can help you. And I've got a cool house. You know, my house is a pretty nice house. It's not extravagant by any means. It's not, but I got a wife who's amazing at decorating. If you walked in my house, you'd go, "Lynn, you got a pretty cool." I got a pretty cool house. I don't think anybody would accuse me of excessiveness, but I got a cool house. I got a pretty cool car. I got. I think I told you guys on Sunday. I got a three fifty Z. Now we're not going to tell anybody. It's six years old. It's paid off. I can't afford to get the convertible top replaced. It's got rips in it, but I've got a pretty cool car. Okay, so if you don't see the tape on my top, everybody thinks it's pretty cool. But. It's a it's a pretty cool car, but let me tell you why I don't get the top fixed right now And it's not it's not been fixed in over a year is because as i've had some money coming into my life What little bit i've had i've said you know what i've got an opportunity to do this And if i do this it has some kingdom value and i've got an opportunity to do That i could fix my top and i would i be sinning to fix i don't think i'd be sinning to fix the top of my car But honestly, given some of the things that are going on in the church right now and where we are financially, and then I've got a daughter from Kenya that we've brought over and I've chosen to invest in that opportunity. Right now, my top doesn't mean that much to me. But that's my choice. And at the end of the day, you know, I I think I'm okay with my choice. But the other side is if I had fixed the top of my car, it wouldn't have been sin. It wouldn't have been wrong. It's okay. I can fix the top of my car if I want to. Okay, is that you get that? Here's the only thing you and I've got to think about as we do this. Everything that I put to this side, okay, is temporary. So, the house that I live in. Anybody remember the house their grandparents lived in? Okay, how many of you say, "Boy, I wish I could have my grandparents' house"? How many people in here? Okay, so we got, a, we got out five or six. They probably had something nice, kind of Victorian or something cool. All right. So other than that, okay, the rest of us that had the normal grandparents' house that we don't want because it smelled like mothballs, you know what I mean? And it had that, that wall space heater thing going on that caught the house on fire every couple of years. You know, that, that house, you realize the houses that you and I live in right now that look so cool, our grandkids are going to go, I don't want a grandpa's house. I don't want, you You get that, right? Because it'll get old and it'll get dated and it'll get faded and it'll get worn out. And the neighborhoods that we think are so prestigious to live in right now pretty soon will be the wrong side of the tracks. And so you and know, I just have to be careful how much we invest in the things that wear out and go away and we can't take to heaven with us. That's all it's saying. Just be wise about it. Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry. Were you saying before when you asked that other question, were you meaning um, when you've got your feet in both uh, the worldly way and the spiritual way, that well, it's a double-minded man? Yeah, and that's why I was asking, what do you mean when you say, can you do both? Because if you're saying, is it okay for me to have an okay car, and is it okay for me to have a pretty... Yeah, those those things are okay, as long as I'm leveraging a wise portion of what God's given to me into the kingdom. You know, it's okay. And every one of us has to figure out what that balance is. What's not okay, what's not okay is for me to take resources that deep down in my heart, I'm pretty sure God gave me that so I would use it for the kingdom. And now I'm deciding to use it for myself. See, I'm just going to... Let me just... Okay, so the... If you are... If you... If you have significant financial resource, which it's hard for me to say because if I say that, every person in this room thinks I'm not talking about them. Because everybody in this room goes, no, I don't have enough yet. Okay? And yet you those guys, 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 guys you and I are in the top six percent wealthiest people in the world. If you are middle class in America, you are in the top six percent wealthiest people in the world. Which means guys, guys if you go to India and ask one of those people, if you're rich, what do you think their answer is? And if you looked at them and said, I'm not rich, what would they say to you? You are absolutely ungrateful, wouldn't they? So here's all I'm asking. If, if God has given you that resource, did he give you that simply for your pleasure? Or did he give you that resource hoping that you would use it for the kingdom? just a question it's just a question because apparently you're, you're American and you live in Chandler and he loves you more than he loves Indian people or he loves you more than he loves African people and so he just gave you all that for your pleasure I'm just asking okay just asking if you're here and you have an amazing talent uh You're great with mathematics. God gave you that so you could make yourself tons of money, right? That's why he gave you that ability, was just so that you could, for your own pleasure and for your own use, use your incredible mathematical mind, make yourself tons. That's why he gave it to you, because he loved you better than the people who are bad with math. Or is it possible that he gave you that gifting, that somehow you'd figure out how to leverage an incredible mathematical mind so that the kingdom would be better? I'm just asking. If you're here and you have an amazing singing voice, he gave you that so that you could be the next Christine Aguilera. And you could run around with no clothes on and sell a bunch of records. That's why he gave you that voice, right? That's what God was thinking. Or is it possible that God said, I'm going to let you use your voice to make me famous? So I'm just telling you guys, I think every time you and I have something from God, whatever that is, whether it's a great mathematical mind or the ability to work with computers or leadership skill, whatever that is, I think you and I is stewards have to say, I wonder why God gave me that. And what was God hoping I would do with this capacity, with this ability in my life? I wonder what he dreamt of me doing in the kingdom when he had me born. Okay. We'll get off this. How many have ever heard someone say you can be anything you want to be? Okay. Can I just say to you, that's a lie. It is. I am never going to be Michael Jordan. Okay. Okay. I am white. I can only jump about three inches off the ground. I am never going to be Michael Jordan. And I'm just going to tell you, it's just one of the stupidest things we ever say to people. You can be anything you you can't. You can't. How, how many people here have an amazing singing voice? Come on, raise it up. Got a great singing voice. Okay. The people that here, you're never going to be a worship leader. Okay. You're not. I don't care how much you want to be. You're not a much better thing for us to say to each other is, you ready? I wonder what God created you to be. And when you find that, you'll be thrilled. When you begin to figure out what God created you to be, and then you begin to live in that creation, you'll be amazed. Because you don't want mathematicians leading worship. And you don't want these worship guys doing your books. You don't. But I wonder what God created you to be. And when you find that, you'll be thrilled. So we're telling our kids the wrong thing. They can't be anything they want to be. Come on, your kid is three feet tall, and as round as he is tall, he is not playing in the NBA. But I wonder what God created him or her to be. It's a much better question. Okay? All right. Let's keep going. Here we go. Oh, you got I've offended everybody. Let's keep going. All right. For the wisdom of verse 19, for the wisdom of the world is foolishness in God's sight. Okay, you get that? So the way the world thinks this whole side of the conversation, God goes, wow, that is that is such flawed thinking. You will never get what you want. You'll never get as far as you you will never be happy if you keep living on that side of the conversation. For the, wisdom, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. What does that mean? He catches the wise in their craftiness. And he knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. We always miss something. Okay, we, we always miss something. So we think we're crafty. Okay. We think we're crafty. All right. How do I ask this? You're having a conversation with a believer. And uh, let's just let's just say for a minute they're a younger believer. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You're having a conversation with two 20-year-olds, and they're deciding to move in and live together. Okay? And you begin to pull out the scripture and go, look, you know, hey, you don't have any right to her body pre-marriage. Matter, matter of fact, remember last week, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It does not belong to you. And God said the only time you can give your body, young lady, to a man is in the act of marriage. That's the only time you can do that. And you say to the young man, look, young man, your body doesn't belong to you. You, you don't have any right to give your body or to ask for her body. Because it doesn't belong to you and it doesn't belong to her. And God said, the only time you can give yourselves physically is in the act of marriage, is when, when you're married. And they go, look, 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 look. And as they, you have that conversation, okay, as you do that with them, and they see that verse in the Bible. I mean, they see Scripture. They know that's what God says. But they're determined to do it anyways. What, what are they going to say? Come on. What are, what are the yeah buts? I'm 21, I can do what I want to. I'm 21. I can do what I want. In other words, I own me. That's old-fashioned. Old-fashioned. I'll repent later. <laughs> I'll repent later. Well, that, man, Christians, I, you know, since God forgives everything, I'll just do it and then ask forgiveness. You they are might so say so. that they're in love. And We're in love. Think it's okay. We're in love, and somehow, if you rub a little love on top of something really wrong, it makes it okay. Don't judge me. Huh? Don't judge me. Oh, I love that one. You know what? People who don't read the Bible, ounce not even believers, if you go to them and talk about Scripture, then don't judge me. You're going, is that the only verse you have memorized in all of Scripture? Don't judge me. How about the one that says, repent? They can also say, um, we're sleeping in separate rooms. Oh, we're, we're sleeping, sleeping in separate rooms. And we believe that one, right? We believe... Shh. Then why did it take you so long to answer the door? I have a good one for you. It Uh makes sense financially. It makes sense financially. And you know what, guys? guys, That's a big one right now. Everybody's going, oh, no, no, no. It's just we're sharing expenses. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You can live at my house for free. That's cheaper. How about that one? I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody. Okay. Now. Okay, let's go ahead and stop because here's the deal. In that moment, okay, in that moment, what is that 21 year old saying about Scripture? It doesn't apply to me, and I have figured out why it doesn't apply to me, okay? I know God said it, but it doesn't apply to me because at the end of the day, you ready for this? I understand life, I understand my circumstances better than god and if god actually knew all the details if god could see all the moving parts of this decision if he could get that it's financially better if 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 he could get that his ideas are really if he could understand then he would but he's he's a little he's a little behind and so you get that right you get that what that 20 year old is saying i am out thinking god I've looked at the circumstance I, I have a smarter conclusion, a better conclusion than God does. You get that, right? Okay, so now let's go back with that circumstance back to the passage. Do not deceive verse 18, do not deceive yourselves. If any one of you thinks that he is wise by the standards of this age, He should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For ready, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. See, that 20-year-old thinks they're being so smart. And he would say, you guys are being so foolish. Do you really believe that you have considered something, thought of something, realized something that God didn't consider, didn't think of, didn't realize about that issue? You really believe you're smarter than God on that topic? How, How many of you... How many of you ever played tic-tac-toe with a child? You're playing tic-tac-toe with a four-year-old. How many of have ever done that? Okay. And here's the answer. If you're playing tic-tac-toe with a four-year-old, how hard is it to lose? Okay? If anyone here goes, boy, I lost all, then we're gonna have a different talk. Okay? But <laughs> let's be you're playing tic-tac-toe with a four-year-old. And and you get you get that unless you put your uh, your mark in, in one of these four, you can, you, you can never lose. You, you almost have to lose on, right, on purpose once you figure out the basic principles of tic-tac-toe. And yet, as you're playing tic-tac-toe with a four-year-old, because here's what the four-year-old thinks. I might be able to outsmart dad. I might be craftier than mom or grandma or grandpa, right? That's what they're thinking. You can tell because they're little eyes. And then they go to, get, get this, get this, they go to make their move. Like they're being sneaky. And then, and then they sit in satisfaction and they go, you, you don't realize what I just did. You, you, didn't even, you don't even see my strategy. I am so crafty. You get when you and I argue with God. When we try to outwit, outsmart God. It's like a four-year-old trying to outsmart him. Outsmart an adult at tic-tac-toe. You get that? There's not a move you can make that he can't see three steps ahead. And guys, the truth is, that illustration is probably a bad one. If you and I wanted to actually talk about what it's like to try to outsmart God, make it a chessboard. And put that four-year-old on who just has a cursory understanding of even the most pedantic basic moves of the pieces. And then let that four-year-old play a chess master. And what do you think the chances are that that four-year-old will ever, in a thousand years, outthink the chess master? Do you believe that there's a single move that four-year-old can make that that chess master would not know three moves ahead? And there's the conversation. God's saying, look, 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 every time you look at Scripture, every time you think i made a mistake, every time you think I don't understand your circumstances, every time you say, but you know what, God, you don't get what's happening with my job, or you don't understand my spouse, or you don't get my kids, or you don't know why that it's acceptable and I need to do that. And he goes, really? Am I playing chess with a four-year-old? I, I've, got, I've, got your, I, I've got that out thunk four times. You really don't believe that I know what's going on and that I'm not in control of the game? Really? It's why he says, You ready for this? For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written, He catches the wise in their. Do you realize that Albert Einstein trying to outthink God? It's not even close. He can't even sit at the table. So now let's ask this question. The last time you and I looked at a passage and we said, I don't like that passage. The last time you and I looked at scripture and said, boy, I don't like that scripture. So based on my circumstances, based on how I was raised, based on what's going on in my family, right? I'm not going to obey that passage because I'm smarter than God was when he wrote that passage. I understand life better than God did when he said that's how it works. How many times were we right with that conclusion? Never. So here's what I'm going to suggest. Mature Christians, smart Christians, stop playing chess with God. That's what you do. See, smart Christians go, you know what, I don't don't even know if I understand that, Pastor. I don't even know why God said that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't need to know. Because the chess master The master of life said, that's how it works. I will do that. And then someday when I get to heaven, I'll say, God, why? Why did a wife have to honor her husband? Why? Did you ever meet my husband? Why did I have to become a servant? Did you see the people I had to serve? It's baby Christians who argue with God. It's wise Christians who push back from the table and say, I'm not, I'm not going to play chess with the master. I'm just going to obey the master. And really, really, really smart Christians say, if God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Done. Even if I don't understand. Can I tell you, I'm a pastor. Can I tell you with all honesty, there are passages in the Bible that I have to teach That I I look at and I go, if I was God, I don't know if I'd have written it that way. I don't know if I'd have said that. And people get mad at me because I have to teach it. And I go, look, I, I, I can't help it. I can't help what God said on that topic. But he's God. And you and I would be foolish to argue with him. Period. We're wrong every time. We get beat every time. We get caught in our craftiness. All right. What are we doing on time? All right, well, we're cruising. Look at it. We're going to finish the chapter. All right. And again, verse 20. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise or futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ. And Christ is of God. And he finishes out again and says, Guys, you guys have been sitting around. Remember we, we said earlier, you've been sitting around arguing a bunch of silly, silly arguments and causing a ton of dissension in the church. Okay, chapter, or verse 1 in chapter 4. So then, men ought to regard us as, what's the word? Servants of Christ. Now think about that for a second. The guy who's writing this is the Apostle Paul. This guy deserves titles. Paul used to be, before he was a Christian, he was a Jew. And inside of his faith as a Jew, do we remember what titles he held? Anybody? He was a Pharisee. We also believe he sat on the. Anyone know? Sanhedrin, which means he would have been one of the top forty, whoops, top forty Jewish scholars of his day. That's how you got invited to sit on. Whoops, that's horrible. That's how he got invited to sit on the Sanhedrin. So he is in the top forty Bible scholars of his day. Okay. He then becomes a Christian. He's now what? What other titles? He's an apostle. Only 14 men have ever held that title. What else? He's a disciple. He is probably the most prolific evangelist of his day. He starts more churches than anybody of his era and time. He literally changes the world. With his ministry, and yet he says, "Here's how I want to be known as a what? What's the phrase he uses? Servant. Where do where do you think he's getting that from? How how does he come to that conclusion? Because again, guys, that's man, that's ooh. I'm in the process right now. We're searching for an executive pastor, and so I'm getting resumes in and pretty interesting how many times guys write their names out and then they put the little letters behind their names, you know? Okay. Okay. Paul could have put a bunch of letters behind his name and instead he wants to be known as a servant. Where's he getting that? I think he's, according to me, as I remember the first chapter, you said about people arguing about him, kind of putting him on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a reminder to them that he is not the boss. He is just a servant. He's just doing God's work. So it's like kind of reminding people that he's I, just I think, like them. I think you're right. But let's stop. For, how flattering would it be to have people kind of saying, well, man, I mean, Paul's the man. And, you know, we're followers of Paul. and. How isn't it fun sometimes to get on the pedestal? People will forget about Christ and focus more on Paul, and Paul right. wanted people to focus more on Christ rather than him. It wasn't okay. his ministry. But where, where do you think he learns this lesson? How does he come to this conclusion? Well, as Christ wa- washed the disciples' feet, of mm-hmm. course he wasn't one of those, but he right. certainly spoke with them. He knew that when as he was doing it, he says, "I am doing this to show you how you should should go into the world." Yeah, he that wants to be greatest among you, what did Jesus say about leadership? Let him learn to be the servant of all. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but instead to serve. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think he got this one from Jesus. And you get you get that part of this life and part of what we do is, is we become servants. I remember on Sunday, I don't know if you guys were in here on Sunday, remember one of the comments I made as we were having the conversation, I said, look, if you're in this room and you've already figured out stuff about life and you've already gone further in your walk with God and you're not sharing that with others, shame on you. Remember that? Remember that part of the conversation? Why? Because if you were a servant, You'd share, wouldn't you? If if you were really a servant of the body of Christ and a servant of other Christians, you would take everything that Jesus has done for you and you would give it back freely. That's what servants do, right? They serve. Because it's not about me. It's about Him. Okay? So man ought to regard us as servants of Christ... And as those entrusted with the secret things of God, what in the world is that? What are the secret things of God? Anybody want to guess? Secret things. Well, okay, you and I have been entrusted with the secret things of God. What have you been entrusted with? Spiritual wisdom. All right, spiritual wisdom. I'll, ta- I'll take that for a little bit. Maybe a small part of it. Salvation. Salvation. Okay, why would salvation be the secret things of God? Okay, so just before we go there, so that you know I'm not blowing smoke, grab your Bibles, go with me to Colossians chapter 1. So it's going to be to the right. And we'll finish with this verse tonight. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Here's, here's Paul again talking. Here's what he says. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up my flesh, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. He's talk, so um, he's talking about the church here. You ready? I have become its servant. Whose servant? The church's servant. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me, to present you the Word of God in its fullness, the... What's the next word? Mystery. Okay? Secret things. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. Okay? So, what is the mystery? What is it that the church knows that people did not know, did not understand before this? What do you... right so... Okay, the gospel. Okay, so if you're a Jew living in the time of Christ, how do you think you're getting to heaven? Huh? Deeds. So you're taking, okay, and primarily the deeds which they would have been most relying on is they're taking every... Year their sacrifice on the day of atonement. They're taking a little lamb. They're putting that lamb on the altar They're slicing that lamb's throat so that it bleeds and that lamb is what they call this. It's dying in their place And god agrees as long as you do that act. I will wink I will close my eyes to your sin for one year and a year from today. You've got to come back You've got to bring me another lamb and that lamb has to die for you and if you do that for a year, I will blink my eyes at your sin. And that's pretty sure, they're pretty sure that's how they're getting to heaven. What you and I now know is, the lamb wasn't getting, that lamb was not getting anybody to heaven. That lamb was a picture. That lamb was a foretelling. What was that lamb a foretelling of? Of Jesus. In what regard? Huh? Huh? That there would be a once and for all sacrifice. Matter of fact, anybody remember when Jesus begins his ministry, he walks down to the river. His cousin John the Baptist is baptizing. John the Baptist turns to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. The last Lamb. The Lamb that will take away the sins of the world. Okay? So up until now, all these Jewish people think it's all about that. What you and I know is, it's all about that. They didn't get it. It was a mystery to them. It was a, they, they had no clue. And a matter of fact, what is the stumbling block that Israel had from that day forward? They did not comprehend that this lamb was not sufficient and this one was. That they could stop doing this and they could have faith in that. It's what they missed. In that moment, the secret. Is this what they was talking about in First Peter when they said the angels even looked into the things of salvation? Oh yeah. See, isn't in, in that interesting? It says, "It says the the angels long to see and know what you and I experience as humans." They 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 have, this is this is so out of the norm because if you were an angel, okay, okay. I had art class. All right. Uh, If you were an angel, okay, and you were living in heaven, remember you were there and you were right before the throne of God. Remember, Satan was actually Lucifer in heaven. He was actually the covering... Whoop. He was the... Remember he was the covering cherub. And actually he had six wings. He was the highest angel in all of heaven. And what does he do to fall? I am better than God, I am smarter than God, I am prettier than God. Remember, seven I ams. Okay? And he falls. God says, Jump. that's it. How many other chances does Lucifer get? How many more chances? Zero. Because apparently God's answer is this. You cannot stand in my presence. Look me in the eye. Know exactly who I am. And tell me no. It's not an option. You cannot do it. Now all of a sudden. God goes and he creates Adam and Eve. We're going to give Eve a skirt. He creates Adam and Eve. He now says. I want you who have never seen my face. Well, this is after the fall. After the fall. I want your children who have never seen my face to have faith in me and choose me. And if you do that, I will redeem you. Second chance. And do you realize that you and I, in many ways, are God's answer to Satan? Because here's what he's saying. He's saying, Satan... You were in my presence. You saw me and you knew me and you rejected me. So I will raise up for myself a people who have never seen me and yet choose me. Think think of what a slap in the face that is for Satan every time a person becomes a Christian. There is a people who have never seen me and yet choose me. And scripture says the angels long to peek into the wonder of this thing, these people, this thing called the church of people who have never seen God and choose God. And they marvel. They marvel of a redeemed people being brought to heaven. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Time's up. We're good? All right. Let's pray. Hey, Lord, thank you. Thank you for tonight, and thanks for a chance just to get into the Word and to study. God, I, I, I just ask that this room would be filled with people who are wise by the kingdom. Who leverage their resources and their life for those things which are eternal and those things which please you. And that God, if, if we never know earthly success, if, if all of our friends laugh, and if, if, if people who don't know you and maybe even young Christians who just don't get it, think we're off our rocker and think we've all gone mad and we've become fools, then so be it. So be it that we would be fools for the sake of Christ. But God, let us be unbelievably wise in the eyes of our Heavenly Father. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for a good night.